0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Code
1: of Conduct Heavy is the head that wears the crown, crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found work. I took the sword out the stone wasn't a thing then, Look me in my eyes cause I'm a, king. I'm a king Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king yeah. God made me punch in accurate numbers. Yeah. My castle won't crumble, nah. what I tackle will fumble. Yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet up. up according to me. Royalty didn't end with King Tut. Nah. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Yeah. Big says, sky is the limit, I look down on the ledge. The I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single Now I need on. all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? What? Well, Goliath fell even yeah. if we playing chess, dog. This king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my steps. Uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Core. Triangle. Look at it from my angle. I'm a king, the closest things to being one of God's angels. I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. crown. Wow. I put in extra work that just can't be found. Work. I took the work. sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king, King.
2: Shout out Look to Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a
1: King. King.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct for the King Podcast. I am your host, Jace, Mr. King. And I am back and excited for today's episode. I have two amazing special guests joining me very shortly here. I have Matt Perino and I have Ryan's habit of uh, the the shout pod and the shout everything. They do it all. These these guys are amazing. I have them joining me very shortly here to talk about the Buffalo Bills preseason game over the weekend against the Indianapolis Colts. And we're going to talk about the roster and a bunch of different things. So very excited um, to have those gentlemen joining me here shortly. Before we do, I do want to talk just a little bit about that game. Uh, There were some things that happened that I'm excited about. There's some things that happened that it's like, uh, I don't know, but it's preseason. It was the first preseason game. No Josh Allen, no Stefan Diggs, but we did get to see a multitude of other starters. I liked what I saw uh from James Cook off the rip. It was a very uh limited day for him, but he looked explosive. It's not even the touchdown. Uh, you know, touchdowns are great. We love scoring touchdowns, but I- I'm looking at you know how he's hitting the holes i'm looking at his vision i'm looking at his quickness once he hits the hole i'm looking at just just the blocking for the running backs it looks like the buffalo bills made a very very strong effort to make sure uh we're blocking to make sure we're putting 12 personnel on film to make sure um you know we give josh allen a running game that will benefit and also you know i I just think when you if you can overthink or read too deep into anything about the game from Saturday is that I think the running game is going to be a big focal point of the offense we're still going to throw the ball 40 times a game 35 times a game don't get scared Josh Allen will still win you your fantasy league but what this does is now instead of Josh Allen uh taking certain unnecessary hits for runs these the running game will be um you know, it'd be sufficient enough to where Josh Allen doesn't have to put his body at risk the same way as often as he does. So, I'm very excited about the running game. Very excited about James Cook. I think he looks amazing. I think he looks amazing. Offensive line. um, Not sure how much everybody watched it. Like, I mean, like how deep you watched everything. I'm going to tell you, I'm not too upset with the offensive line. I know I saw some some complaining and rumblings, no pun intended, on Twitter. uh, But I feel good about um, feel good about our rookie first of all Osiris played well and I think if he can continue uh, to play like this throughout the preseason and also you know just show some things in, in practice I think he's our starting guard I don't think it's a question I know Bates is good I know we love Bates but I'd rather have quality depth to start at multiple positions across that line in Bates rather than have him start. And we're sitting on a stud in Osiris. I think Osiris is our guy, period, period. Um, And I hope that our, I hope our line stays healthy. I want more. I want to see Mitch, no concussions this season. It would break my heart to have Mitch suffer. I think a seventh for his career, a seventh concussion. I'm super concerned about that. I don't know how many people are Uh, maybe I shouldn't be because it seems like the bills aren't, it seems like, um, Mitch Morse isn't, but for me, I'm, I'm super concerned about that. When you have multiple head injuries like that for your career, I think it gets, I don't know, murky times, murky conversations, murky times. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm impressed with the offensive line. And then, uh, the last thing that I want to kind of bring up and talk about prior to bringing my guests in, um, has Sean McDermott not been freaking it's only been one game and it's the preseason but he's aggressive I saw some some pressures on the quarterback I saw some exotic looking blitz packages I saw some things that we didn't quite see over the last few years again this is preseason it's one game so you don't want to read too much and too deep into it but I, I'm okay with what we saw I'm OK with what we saw there. And if if that's how the defense is going to look with the guys that we have on this team, I am I love to see Micah Hyde out there being Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer getting the blitz every now and again and, and Teron Johnson getting involved in the backfield. I love those things. So so you you figure out those things and then you have two versatile versatile safeties at the back of your defense to get things done. Sign me up all day for that defense. Now flip it to go along with that offense with a good offensive line that can protect Josh in a good running game that will move the ball so Josh doesn't have to put himself in harm's way. Sign me up, dog. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up every time. So, um, no, nah, I'm with it. I'm with it. A couple of announcements before we get going. I, I want to um, let everybody know about a party that you absolutely have to be at. Bill's Mafia is back. Are you ready for it? The third annual Buffalo Rumblings IPA beer release party is going down September 16th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Resurgence Brewing Company located downtown at 55 Chicago Street. I'm going to tell you what, you do not want to miss this event. Come out and hang with Joe, Sarah, and the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings crew for the Megapod. You're going to want to bring your questions and be a part of the live stream. Get involved. It's going to be live. And this year, we're also going to have our friends from fans of Buffalo joining the party and sponsoring the fun. They're going to be in the house to provide you with all the information you need to make your away game day experience the easiest and the most smooth that you've ever had in your life. I can promise you they, they do their job very well. So make sure you make it out Saturday, September 16th, 6 p.m. Resurgence Brewing Company, 55 Chicago Street. Go Bills. And listen. Listen. Not only do you want to be there for the live pod, that's going to have Joe Sterling, Sarah, uh, Jeremiah Poyer. We're going to have the Mafia cast. And you never know what surprises I have for you for the show as well. But outside of that, outside of the pod, the beers are awesome. There's going to be um, I know everybody loves Kate, right? Kate is going to, to come and set up a table. She's going to have all the dope gear. Like last year, I should have pulled it out to show you guys. Pause. I have a, a hoodie that she made me. It's like she she does the dope. She just, just does the dopest stuff. So she has um, hats that she's doing. She has hoodies and T-shirts and uh, leggings and all types of stuff for everybody. She has something for everybody. So come bring your cash, bring your cash apps and Venmo's and do all that stuff. Get some money. And, and get some dope gear that it and essentially be one of one. Cause she hand, she she does everything by hand. Every single thing that you get from Kate has the love and attention of her hands on it. It's a one-of-one one every single time. And then, like I mentioned, fans of Buffalo are are sponsoring this event. It's gonna be dope. If you haven't already, uh, you should probably reach out to them now if you're looking for jets you know jet stuff or if you're looking for the washington game they have some really good packages to where you don't have to worry about finding the tailgate you don't have to worry about drinking when you're pre-gaming they have all that stuff done for you you just show up eat party with your friends go to the game and then go home so check out fans of buffalo go check out kate let's make this thing happen and uh and without further ado let's uh pay some bills but then let's talk to our guys let's go Hey, football fans, the season is here, so you know that means family, football, and food. But for the NFL's best fan base, it can't be just any food. Bill's Mafia only eats the best during the season, and the best is Picasso's Pizza. With four great locations in western New York, it's so easy to treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have two special guests this week. What, actually, one of my favorite uh, tandems in Bills Mafia after me and Joe. I have Ryan Tabbit and Matt Perino from the shout. Really, the shout everything. They do it all. What's going
3: on, gentlemen? Hey, not too much. Thanks for having us on. Man, What's up, man? I feel
0: like it's been uh, it's been too long. It's good to catch up with you and uh, chat a little bit.
2: It has. I feel like um, I know we did. I think it was around the playoffs that you and I were able to do a show and ryan wasn't available so um but but no you guys always show up for me and i appreciate it last year matt i, I know everybody who listens to the code of conduct or even who kind of pays attention to me at all remembers everything that happened last year and then matt showed up and did the karaoke uh he had the he had the best performance of the night at karaoke when we did the <laughs> fundraiser for my aunt pearl so best that was dope
0: performance
2: no, it was a great time. And I appreciate you doing that. So, uh, but let's get right into it, man. I feel like it's, this is the fun time of year. This is where everybody's excited again. All the fans are back. Um, training camp just ended for the public. So uh, we got our fix. We got our little taste of being close to the players again. What What's it like for both of you at this time of year? Like, you know, rolling, just getting things ramped up because you cover them all year long. Though. It doesn't mm-hmm. stop for you. So what is this year? What, uh, you know, this time of year like for you?
0: Well, training camp's a grind. I mean, I love it. And Ryan and I talk a lot about this on our show. Like, when we're ramping up and getting ready to go out to St. John Fisher, it's this this excitement level and then being there and interacting with Bills fans. It's like, it's overwhelming at times. Like, you know, we don't really look at ourselves maybe the way that a lot of Bills fans do. Like, we're we're just kind of a couple of regular guys that do our job that um, love covering this team for just a super passionate fan base. But, like, mm-hmm. seeing people stopping us, like, in the stores, on the sideline, like, it's, it's fun. But I will say it gets to a point at the end of camp where I'm like, man, we have just grinded this thing into the ground. And I just need a little bit of a break. So I've been kind of, like, stepping back a little bit. And Ryan could talk about this. I mean, we've we've launched this new part of our coverage. It's called uh, Shout Buffalo Bills Insider Text Line. And it gives fans the opportunity to connect with us one-on-one or one-on-two, I should say. And that's taken up a lot of our time over the last two weeks. It's kind of altering our coverage a little bit. But the early returns, Ryan, have been really positive.
3: Yeah, it's been awesome. So, you know, what it, what it is is we can send a – they call it a broadcast. So kind of like a group text to everyone that subscribes to the Shout Insider, uh, what we saw at practice, what we saw at training camp. Uh, if we got a, a good quote from a player – uh, we get that out to them first and then they can respond to it, but it just comes back to Matt and myself. And then we kind of go through and we respond to them if they have any questions for us one on one. They can send a direct message, you know, they can't send a message to the entire group of all the subscribers, but they have access to Matt and myself whenever they want. And it's been really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. as yeah, it's it's awesome. So Uh, I'm glad we've we've kind of gotten into this endeavor. It's been a a cool experiment. but Like like Matt said, it's time consuming. It changes uh, how we kind of have to pivot our coverage a little bit. But you know, Matt's living the dorm life at training camp. I'm coming down on the weekends because I'm still doing some teaching uh, throughout the summer as well. But he's right. It's kind of surreal. Like um we're going along the sidelines at the end of the practice and some guys that came out to a live show asked us to sign their pass their uh friends and family pass that they were underneath the 10 i'm like man i don't know i think you're gonna lose value on that if you want my autograph on it but little things like that stopping for pictures post podcasts and um we had an awesome turnout at a live pod in rochester wing nuts came out we went through over 1600 wings so i mean unbelievable the support that we're getting from this fan base
2: no it's awesome to see and i love when you guys do uh wing nuts and uh you know you have the event and i love to see the pictures and the videos that's posted let me ask you this uh, and uh, we talked about this a little before going live here and i never really asked anyone but as as a you know a beat reporter for both of you now i know ryan you you know you do both You, you you're you teach and you you do this so it's a little bit different for you so for both of you i'll get we'll start with matt then we'll swing it to ryan but what is it like to be um a beat reporter you know f- for me as a content creator i started this uh once COVID hit back in 2020 like president trump shut the country down and i was bored i didn't get a chance to get out and meet anybody out here in phoenix and i couldn't do anything so started a pod out of a hobby out of boredom and you know it's actually for me it's grown into a lot but i'm still not quite where you guys are and, and for most people who cover the bills or any team as a content creator you would have to think that's like the goal it's the dream so brian like or like i said we'll start with matt actually so matt for you the process of you know the beginning of it, the stages and then now to where you are like what is this experience like for you how is it different um Mm -hmm. versus like a me being a content creator what what's different for you in a day-to-day
0: Well, you know, just about my journey to this this job I mean I went to school specifically for this like I went for to be a journalist to be a sports reporter like that's what I want to do with my life and so I studied it in school um, I spent probably three years covering UB uh, University mm-hmm. of Buffalo athletics um won a national award, uh, award for a feature story that I wrote on a basketball player and that kind of really like was my springboard into um, the career and then my first job out of school. And this is what I tell a lot of young people. Like I'm a, I'm a teacher as well at UB now, um, as an adjunct. And I tell a lot of kids coming up, shouldn't say kids, young, young people, what it takes to make it in this business. You're not going to cover the bills out of school. And I feel like that's a deal breaker for a lot of people. Like my first job for two years, I was grinding covering six, like, low-level high schools, like working Friday and Saturday nights till 2 in the morning, you know, writing stories about, you know, teams that nobody really cared about. Like they did in that, in that small market in Tonawanda, North Tonawanda. But in terms of, you know, the bigger, broader sports world, they weren't what I thought I was getting into that thing to do. But it, it was a blessing in disguise. Like I learned how to be – to do multimedia, like to write, to do video, to do social media. I mean that's something that I've been – cultivating in terms of my toolbox for years. And then I went to the UFC, obviously changed the dynamic things. And, and then I came back. Um, but I think the thing for me is that the biggest difference between beat reporter and content creator is the, the fan line. Like on the content creator side, you can still embrace the fanhood, And honestly, you're not mm-hmm. interacting with the team in the same way. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's easy to, to keep that. On this side of things, when you're interacting with them and having to ask hard questions and having to cover the team like 13 seconds and the Cincinnati loss, like, mm-hmm. trust me, those fan goggles come off real quick in that locker room after the game when you got to go and talk to some of these players. So that's a little bit of the, the difference for me. But what I like about what I do, I think, and Ryan can speak to this too, I think I bridge the gap a little bit because I know the experience of the fan. I was that for 30 years. I grew up in Buffalo around this team. My family, my son is growing up with a Josh Allen Jersey in his closet hanging. And so I, I, I have my finger on the pulse of that world. Um, I just have to kind of remove myself a little bit from it doing the job and that's okay. It's a sacrifice that you make to be able to do what I do.
3: Yeah, no, that, that was perfectly said in terms of, you know, how you kind of have to take that fan hat off at some point. And, I always tell people I had a very unorthodox path to getting to where I am now, and I'm a full-time teacher. I've been doing it for 17 years now; still enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, And many, many years ago, I saw something on Twitter now X about uh, looking for someone to cover the bills. You know, send an article your way, and it was for a site called QueensCitySports.net with Mike Straw. And I sent something in, and. Uh, he's like, yep, I like it. Let's go with it. And I had a background in writing from education. And, you know, I teach writing for a living. Uh, would, mind you, it's a lot different with 10, 11, 12-year-old kids teaching them the basics of it. But it, it's it still, it's something, right? So it started out as a hobby, Queen City Sports. I was at um, Pro Football Focus Fantasy Division for a cup of tea. Uh, I did a site called Buffalo Bills Draft, which was really cool. A lot of really good writers came out of that. Dan Hope was running it at the time he's on the beat with ohio state now he was a student at clemson at the time um so there's some people there i I worked with joe marino at sports.net. some of the guys at uh, cover one were there as well so you know i kept bouncing around i i was the editor-in-chief of billsmafia.com for a while uh and then all of a sudden scout.com approached me and they said you know we've kind of followed your work uh we'd like you to kind of become our bills beat reporter they had just bought the site back from foxsports.com and that was different because then all of a sudden it from went from a hobby to something i took very seriously mind you into an actual paying job and like matt said it's writing the stories it was creating these videos uh having to learn a lot on the fly with that as well Going into these uh, websites and getting trained for how you know how you write on those websites because there's a lot of uh, different functions and and the ways that things work there. So that was interesting. And then I've been with uh, you know this company, Syracuse Post Standard, Syracuse.com and Web.com since August of 2016. Uh, thanks to Mike Rodak uh, you know he used to cover the Bills for ESPN. Bills Mafia
0: legend one of the favorites. Yes fan favorite of the Bills (laughs)
3: Mafia but you know they they had Matthew Fairburn there at the time and Matt did a great job of building that up it was kind of like during this trial period of what can we do with the Bills coverage and they wanted to add a second person and Mike Rodak suggested me and you know I, I always thank him for that and uh, then when Fairburn left to cover the Patriots at the time, now back with the Sabres, I, I got to start working with Matt Perino here and, uh, we built quite the friendship and, it, and it's cool because we, we go on the road together on certain games. He's going to all of the games on the road, but I get to pick and choose. And you know, when it works around my schedule, I'm there in the press box with And early home. on,
0: Ryan, the budget was tight. So there, we yes. were rooming together on the road. It, we got real we
3: we were. I'm going to tell this. Should I tell the story about the one time that the, the woman came for towels or something like Absolutely. that? Yeah. Absolutely. You That's should. What what you mean? You? It, we're, we're sharing this room and it, you know, it, it was a big room, whatever the case may be. And uh, I, I guess like she came to the door for towels or something like that. And I'm just like in the background, just like laying on my bed and it's like, yeah, she probably definitely got like the wrong idea with that. One. I was just lounging enjoying myself. But, budget's tight you share a room sometimes and that's okay but you know look at where we are now <laughs> she's like these guys are putting lotion on each other's
2: backs and...
0: <laughs> no listen, but i mean but listen, i could do funny. a lot worse for life partner than ryan I was, albert so I was just gonna say, you know that's fine
2: you know if you're gonna if you're gonna have a life partner with somebody at least have it be with somebody you can work with all the time that's a perfect <laughs> right yes so but okay we'll get it I just wanted to kind of give everybody a little bit of insight to kind of what it's like to be you guys outside of what we see you know because on Twitter obviously you see oh these guys have big followings or hey these guys have been around the team or but just to kind of just get some insight on who you are and kind of what you do I think it's fun but let's talk a little football that's why everybody probably tuned in for me to to talk to you guys to talk about football we had the game this past Saturday and there was a lot that I was encouraged about, but a couple things that I wasn't. Um, Ryan, let's start with you. Just off the, just overall, what are your feelings about the team at this point after the first preseason game?
3: Yeah, it's tough to take a lot out of it because the starters had very limited reps on the you know offense side of the ball. But the one thing I saw was James Cook and and how well he was running the ball and. You know, Matt and I made a point to emphasize how much the Bills were really working on the run game this summer at training camp, uh, and it seems like that became a priority. Of yeah, we're still going to be a very pass-heavy team, but the run game hasn't been up to par the past few years. And, and whether it was Cook or Latavius Murray, Damian Harris, they were really practicing it a lot this year. And I thought it looked. Uh, The run game looked very good for the Bills for the most part. Cook running very well between the tackles, getting some nice blocks on the inside from Osiris Torrance and and Connor McGovern, new faces there. Uh, And then being, you know, sprung to the outside, great blocks by a new addition in Trent Shurfield and Dawson Knox, who's really come along nicely as a blocker in his career. But that was my big takeaway on offense defensively, you guys kind of got to see what we saw at training camp a lot, an aggressive defense, uh, bringing pressure, even though it's a preseason game, not going up vanilla all the time. And I think that's going to be maybe the biggest change on the defensive side of the ball is that you're going to see more aggressiveness from Sean McDermott in this team.
0: I mean, for me, defensively, like, I don't know if it was as good good as you probably were hoping with how many starters were playing at the start. I think a couple positive notes to take from the game. Micah Hyde looks like Micah Hyde. And, yeah. you know, that is massive for this defense. Like for the whoever is out at that second cornerback job, I think Micah Hyde means as much to them as anybody because, you know, in that zone scheme, you really rely on his versatility, his ability to kind of, you know, flank you and, you know, take up a lot of room back there. And so I think if he's back and he's able to play even close to the level that he had in previous seasons, that is huge for a young Kyer Elam or Christian Benford or a veteran like Dane Jackson. I mean, you know, I think Dane Jackson, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say regress, but definitely didn't have as good of a season as he did in 21. Right. I felt right. like. But part of that I think might have been because he was playing with, you know, uh Dane or Damar Hamlin, who was learning on the job, like getting thrust into that role. And I thought he had some good moments last season. Um, the other piece of it, too, is positive wise, Tim Settle and Boogie Basham, arrow up for both of those guys. And I think you know what you're going to get from the Ed Olivers of the world, the the Greg Rousseau's, the Leonard Floyds. Like, I think that's easy money to predict that if Settle and Boogie Basham are going to be plus players on that defensive line. It's an absolute game change. And I think that they can maybe, you know, steady the waters a little bit until Von Miller gets back, because I don't think we're in route to Von Miller being ready for week one. I think he's going to probably transition to uh reserve pop at some point before 53 man roster cut down and then he'll miss at least the first four games. And why not? Don't rush him back. Let him yeah. get all the way back on the downside where my biggest concern is middle linebacker. I like Tyrell Dotson. I think that he's a guy that um, could definitely be in the mix for this thing, but for his first big opportunity, I, I thought he left a little bit to be desired, you know, from a coverage perspective, like uh, attacking gaps, um, just tackling in general. I think he was one of the lowest graded uh, tacklers on the bills via PFF um, defensively. And that's just not what you want to see for a guy who has this huge opportunity with Terrell Bernard kind of nursing that hamstring issue and, and nobody else really in the mix. I mean, there's, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Tyrell Dotson right now.
2: You know what Out I don't know if I should bite on that conversation or not. Like the middle linebacker, I'll bring it up because you know how I felt about Tremaine Atmos. But before I bring that part up, um, you, you both kind of mentioned the defensive line play and just defense in general. I think I, I'm excited to see how aggressive Sean McDermott is over what we've had over the last several years. But my question to you is, because it was actually one of the prepared questions that I sent you both um, yeah, talking about that defensive line. You said arrow up for Boogie Basham, but The depth along and obviously defensive end and tackles we're talking about here, but the depth along the defensive line, this is going to be something where a guy that or two that we're used to seeing as a Buffalo Bill will not be wearing a Bill's jersey this season, you know, like because it's just impossible with the guys that we brought in, plus the depth that we already had. who, Who would you say at this moment is probably somebody that we're used to seeing, but right now they're probably the guy, probably the guy looking out on the outside looking in, I should say.
0: I think Shaq Lawson is somebody that wow. they know what that he brings. And I think there's a path to getting him on the practice squad. I mean, look at the last two off seasons. Like there has not been a clamoring for him. And I think what works against Shaq is like the stops that he had in between his two stops in Buffalo, they just didn't go well. So I feel like that's kind of the book on him now. And I don't know if there's going to be a race to sign him. I think he fits in what Sean McDermott defense is but i don't know wow. if he ends up getting cut and you try to bring him back to the practice squad it's going to be a problem where you won't be able to do that so he's to me at the top of that list if they want to continue down this epinesa basham developmental path i mean i think epinesa is a trade candidate right now i, I, I that wouldn't surprise me if that was a, a move that was made I, i'd be very surprised if they cut him only because you're you had that last year of the rookie deal and, and you can kind of lean into that the Bills are also Ryan not scared to keep 10-11 defensive linemen. They've done it in the past and if Vaughn is off and then you go 5 DTs 5 edge rushers, you're in a place there where you could pretty much keep almost everybody if you want to try that game with Shaq Lawson uh and and I think you're 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 sitting pretty there.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, defensive tackle, they're they're five deep. So some guys that contributed last year, Ilian Ku, for instance, I don't see a path for him making it, but I think defensive end is really where it gets complicated because of you know whether or not Von Miller's ready to go. You feel really good about Leonard Floyd if you're Buffalo and Greg Rousseau is your starters. But then it gets a you know, the, the waters get a little bit muddy. It gets hard to decide who do you keep in that situation because Shaq Lawson Really good against the run. Uh, maybe one of their best defensive ends, once Von Miller, went down last year and ha- has that reputation of being a guy that you can count on. He's going to be in the right spot. He's not going to over-pursue. He's going to you know, stay where he needs to be to make sure that uh, you don't get let these mobile quarterbacks break the pocket, etc., Epinez is coming off of a six and a half sack season. So like Matt said, I think that's a great trade candidate. I thought he had a nice training camp, but then in that preseason game, I thought he disappeared. I didn't think it was a great uh, performance by him uh, against the Colts where Boogie Basham did flash and he, and he had a nice performance with a sack and a run stop. So it it could be one of the young draft picks though, either Basham or Epinez. If I'm not going to go with Shaq Lawson uh, in terms of who I could see being the odd man out, because, Both are on rookie deals. That's going to be something that I think teams around the league would covet being able to have Boogie Basham, not just for this year, but for next year, for instance, as well, on a rookie contract. Epinesa this year on a rookie deal and say, okay, we saw what he could do last year in a rotational role, a much smaller sample size. If we had to count on him in our system, whoever that team may be, maybe they're going to look and say, maybe six and a half uh, sacks turns into eight or nine in our system based on our playing time. So, uh, the the bills have a lot of talent at D tackle and DN. It's going to be really tough for them to to keep all of those players, not just on their their fifty three, but even to keep them all on the practice squad. Well,
2: I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the team does every year. Brandon Bean, um, he kind of I, I don't want his job every single year. I look at the decisions he has to make, and it's just like, good lord, you know, like years ago, it's almost like you almost this is a good problem to have, but you almost prefer. You know, back when, you know, we had, I don't know, E.J. Manuel as our quarterback, it's like, OK, we know who's going to be on the D-line. We know it just wasn't as difficult every year to figure things out. Uh, but it's a good problem to have. Uh, so real quick, before we switch over to the offense, I do kind of want to bite on that that dangling fruit that Matt threw out there with the uh, middle linebacker position. Everybody knows that my heart was broken and I broke up from the Buffalo Bills for like a week when they did not re-sign Tremaine Edmonds and he ended up signing a a, a, a league you know, a, a league deal with you know, he, he is, the, I think he's the highest paid at this point, right. Or second highest paid middle linebacker for the Chicago bears. Um Okay. So what, what is with this middle linebacker position? Matt said earlier <laughs> that this is probably the one area that, you know, he has some questions and, and it wasn't the best of showings for this weekend. Where are we at Ryan? Let's start with you. I mean, what are we doing with, with no
3: Tremaine? Well, right now, I mean, it might be the end of the competition by default, depending on how long it takes Terrell Bernard to come back from uh, this hamstring injury that he suffered right at the tail end of training camp. Obviously, availability is so important. Sean McDermott and Bernard missed the first preseason game, and you want to be cautious with hamstring injuries. You want to make sure that when he is back on the field that he's at 100%, but if he's missing these preseason games, this is uh, essentially their audition, their dress rehearsal for who they're going to roll with. And it it was a two man race by the end of training camp between Dodson and Bernard. At one point they had bail inspector in there. We never really got an answer on why he got that one game or that one practice, I should say with the first team and and then removed from the competition. I thought he actually performed very well at that practice. Uh, But Again, it goes back to what's going on in the meeting rooms. Maybe um, there was something just there. But I think right now the competition is heavily in Dodson's favor. But like Matt said, wasn't the greatest performance. It makes you wonder, is this going to be something where the Bills are going to be looking at uh, who gets cut across the league here at the end of the month to bring someone in as a safety option? You're not going to start that player week one, obviously. Uh, but are you going to bring in a veteran that maybe you th- you could get up to speed in your system quickly? And hey, if these young guys in uh, Bernard, if he's not ready, if Dodson shows he's not ready of that <laughs> job, maybe they turn it over to to a veteran in that case.
0: Yeah. For me, so it, it's nuanced because on one hand, you've had Tremaine Edmonds all these years, and look at how the games, how the seasons have ended. And mm-hmm. as good as he's been in the regular season, like. And I've, I've pushed back against some of the Tremaine hate, like in line with what you're talking about, Spence. And But I do think that there are there's some credence to those who say in the big spots against some of these really fast over-the-middle players, Edmund's size really works against him in that play. So are you going to pay that premium for a player that when you get up against these really elite offenses and quarterbacks, his skill set, I feel like they almost, I don't want to say they pick on him, but they definitely find a way to neutralize his impact on games in the playoffs. And so I don't think it's as big of a deal. Now, what I will say is a problem on the bill side of things for me is this is another example where I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff with plans for players that they draft. Dorian Williams is a perfect example. You draft him. You basically say that he's going to be outside. When you draft him, then we get to mini camp and Sean McDermott says, Oh, he's been working at middle linebacker. Then we get to training camp and Sean McDermott says, no, he's working only at outside linebacker. And now you're in a spot where there's no good options and you spent <laughs> no time developing the rookie fast coverage. uh Plus dude in Dorian Williams at the spot that you might need him. He's not playing for Matt Milano. Now Matt Milano, He's not always the healthiest of players, so to have a backup for him and if that's where Dorian Williams works best, I get that. But to me, that to me is another misstep, like mismanagement to a degree or you know, hoping that you have something mm-hmm. in a player, Ty- Terrell Bernard, even when he was out there before the hamstring injury, I didn't think he looked great. And so now you're in a si- situation where you're waiting for him to get back. You're going to have to roll with either Dotson or maybe in a pinch AJ Klein don't forget about him he's kind of sitting in the background somebody that you know McDermott is comfortable with
2: and he's AJ Klein has won the defensive player of the week um you know obviously I get it it was a one game type you know but still he he filled in at times I don't know how much I would feel comfortable with him really filling in that role that Tremaine at the hole that he's leaving there but um one last question on this, and then we can kind of quickly kind of jump over to the offense and then get on out of here. The, as far as this linebacker position though, I guess for me, I I, just, the way the team kind of handled their business during the off season, I I almost assumed that there would be a change in philosophy because obviously technically you have a new defensive coordinator now uh, with, with it being Sean McDermott and, you know, losing a player like Tremaine Edmonds, if you don't bring in somebody to replace him, to me, it feels almost too difficult to replace him. So, I was thinking obviously you bring in a, a Taylor rap or you bring in these guys in a secondary for more depth. Obviously Hyde went out last year we saw what happened when you don't have that depth. <laughs> so I understand it, but I was thinking more so we might see, you know, a little bit more of a hybrid system where you have like the six defensive backs, you know. I know, I know that's maybe not too common, but I feel like in a passing league where we're going up against the Mahomes and Burrow and Aaron Rodgers twice in a year now you know I, I just kind of looked at that do you see that still kind of being a possibility or you haven't seen much of that at all throughout camp and practices we can start with Ryan on them
3: I think it can get mixed in I don't think it's going to be something that is going to be their main calling card on defense and at the tail end of training camp uh, we had Bobby Babich uh, you know at a media session we actually asked about Taylor Rapp and has he spent any time in the linebacker room a little bit to kind of learn about some of the nuances there if you want to move him up and play him there a little bit, kind of as a hybrid-type player. And he's like, well, no, he's, he's a safety. He's learning a new system altogether. He hasn't had any time with us. He's got enough on his plate already. So, you know, I, I'm sure that that doesn't mean that they can't run a, a hybrid look and get the three safeties on the field or get multiple defensive backs. But uh, I just don't think it's going to be their main calling card, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And I also don't think as undersized as Bernard is, and actually if you put him next to Taylor Rapp, I think you'd probably be like, Oh, huh, it's not as big of a difference as you'd say. Like, I, I just think that he does too many things. And and most of his reps have come to Ryan's point at different positions to hand him over the green dot, potentially on the helmet, like, and, and ask him to play out of position and learn a really difficult position. I just think that's a little bit too much. Now, I do think that they'll find ways to work him in, and you know we've seen over the course of the summer like six DB looks that I think are really interesting. and You can get really creative with that, like Taron Johnson on the field, Taylor Rapp on the field, and then move Matt Milano maybe even to the middle. Now I don't know if I've seen that at all, but that's in the, maybe that that's by design. Maybe that's something that they could keep in their back pocket, and you never know. Like Sean McDermott, I think is going to roll the dice on a, on a couple of different things to try to figure out these elite quarterbacks that they've struggled at against with t- at times, they're going to play them all in the regular season. They're going to chance to try some things out. I mean, Joe Burrow, Jalen hurts, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Tua in their own division. I mean, it's never ending and they're going to, to me, that's kind of also what I think helps them more than in years past In that they are going to be battle tested by the time the playoffs come. They're not going to have this easy road to the playoffs teeing off on the Davis Mills of the world and you know the what was that one dude for the Broncos the one year? Um Brandon, something or other. I can't remember his last name now. Whatever. I can't even remember his name. The the quarterback was so bad. There's not a lot of those on the on the schedule this year.
2: Yeah, no, no. Th- this is a gauntlet for sure. Like if the Bills if the Bills win the Super Bowl this year, I mean, I'm gonna talk so ridiculously. Like it's just gonna be so bad for anybody who's not a Bills fan. Cause to go through the season that we would have to go through and then plus you you just think about the season that we got, but then the playoffs, the, the way the playoffs will look for us to have to win a Super Bowl. I'm gonna talk so much like I'm is gonna be ridiculous. I can tell you now. Um, so real quick, let's hit offense and then let's let's get you guys out of here. I know it's a ton of work to be done, it's never a dull moment. Uh, you already mentioned James Cook earlier, so I won't really go there. I think he's gonna be explosive. I love the way he looked so far in his limited role. Uh, but on offense. It's not as serious, I guess, because we do anticipate Josh being healthy. We want him healthy. But is there a problem really with the quarterback two position? Because I know Matt Barkley looked amazing Saturday. I'm still just not the guy that's like, I want Matt Barkley being my backup quarterback. I like him on the team. I feel like he's somewhat of a, like an extended coaching um, piece for the, for the team and everything. And I think Josh is very comfortable with him. So I think it helps, but you know, in a pinch, I don't want Matt Barkley coming out there to go up against the Jets defense. I think the Jets mm-hmm. have one of those teams. So, is it is there a, a issue with Kyle Allen? Is there something that we might be looking at players? You know, once cut down day happens, or you know what what are, what are you what are you seeing when it comes to this backup quarterback position, Ryan?
3: Is there a concern? Yeah, Uh, but I think there was a concern last year, too, if Allen missed significant significant time. I wasn't overly impressed with Case Keenum and his stint with Buffalo in terms of if they needed him for a game or two, would he be able to win either of them? Uh, I think that the the fans got, I don't want to say spoiled, but when they had Mitch Trubisky, they probably thought, okay, if if he had to come in for a handful of games, he might be able to to split them or keep them in in those kind of matchups. But if you look across the NFL landscape, I mean – there's a reason why the backup play in most situations is bad. There's not 32 quality starters in this league, uh, let alone 64 quarterbacks. And uh, if your starter goes down, in most cases across this league, you're going to be in a spot where your team's going to be in a lot of trouble for one week, four weeks, the rest of the season, depending on how long or serious that injury is. Um, I watched a lot of preseason games this year because I'm a or this weekend because I'm a glutton for punishment. When those backups came in, I said. I'm not sure most of them uh, across the league are in a, these teams that is are in a better spot than the bills. If they, if their starter went down.
2: Yeah. Well, Matt, before you jump in, let me ask this because, um, so what, what Ryan is saying, I think we all can kind of agree that he's, he's spot on at no point with Joe Pascalia of the athletic kind of was talking about this backup quarterback situation. And he mentioned that, he would throw out the idea of the Bills possibly trading for Sam Darnold as a backup. Or um, I've tossed out the idea a couple of weeks ago when the report came out that the Titans might not be too happy about Malik Willis. Like, hey, trade for him and have him develop behind Josh. Is something like that something that you would do? Or do you think, again, basically what Ryan said, like, look, around the league, you don't even have 32 very good quality starting quarterbacks. You can't expect to have like a very good backup as well. Where are you at with this?
0: I really like the idea of Malik Willis as somebody that can kind of fit into just watching hard knocks and some of the clips coming out in New York. Like Aaron Rodgers' arrival in New York has been a godsend for Zach Wilson. And I just think that if you put a young quarterback with similar skill set, um, and listen, it's it's horrible to compare anybody to Josh Allen because like the dude's one of one, he's a unicorn. Yeah. Like, you don't want to get into that business, even like the Anthony Richardson comps, like I don't, I don't, I don't like those even. And so, and, and he's probably the closest that we've seen in the last six years of anybody to what Josh Allen is. And so I like that idea. The problem becomes like, what's the cost? Like, do they want like a fourth round, third round pick for Malik Willis? That's too rich for my blood. If they want to like maybe a fifth, cause the bills have so much capital next year. Sure. Why not? Just, but I also don't like where they're at in the process. Like they've waited this long, it it makes me think that they're like fine with it because what what are you gonna? How long is gonna take Malik Willis to download this offense to a place where you feel comfortable running him out there in a game? I still think it could be end up being Matt Barkley for like four months because they just aren't comfortable enough with where Willis would be in understanding the the scheme. Hmm.
2: Okay, that's fair. And I guess for me, I was just thinking of again because I don't think Malik Willis is coming in, you know, if if something happened to Josh, it's not like I think he'll come in and then be the franchise altering play. He's not a Tom Brady (laughs) 2.0 where he's going to take over from Josh. So, you know, it was just, I don't know, I guess for me watching the game, and then even just the reports that I'm hearing from camp that, you know, Kyle Allen just didn't look the part of a backup that we would expect. And, Um, And then even Matt some fans are like, well, let's have Matt Barkley be the backup quarterback. And for me, it's just like, man, I can't, I just can't see. But again, if Josh goes down, we're in trouble anyway. You know, we don't want Josh to go down. So.
0: And Kyle, one last note on Kyle. Like, Mm -hmm. he's going to be a completely different player in two months, even without the game reps, because of his understanding of the offense. So I think for him, watching the game the other day, he just needs to be able to process faster. And the only way you're going to really get to do that is with like reps. So over the next two games, he's going to get even if they're all really bad reps, he'll probably get to a point where he feels, okay. if I do have to go into a game situation, I have all I have this like base worth of reps that I can operate off of and play quicker and react quicker knowing that I had all these things. So I don't think we'll really, that's the tough thing with this thing too. We won't really know what version of this player exists until he's actually has to go into a game in the regular season, which I don't know. It's, it's late in the game to be adding new pieces unless they're just athletically give you more. But then again, Matt Barkley came in a couple of years ago and lit the world on fire in New Jersey in that one game. So I don't know
2: he did he well to that though and that's my only debate because some fans were like well Matt Barkley did that so no. i'm fine with Matt Barkley and i'm like yeah but that was against a 4 and 12 jets team right. that defense ranked 25th and you know like and I'm, again i'm i'm giving Matt Barkley all the credit in the world but like you're kidding yourself if you think Matt Barkley's going to come in against this jets team and put 30 up let alone 40 so um but yeah okay and then last one and then we'll get out of here um Dorsey last season obviously a lot of There were both sides. It was a very polarizing uh, topic when it came to our offensive coordinator Uh, last year. I feel that he kind of underutilized. I know towards the end of the season, Dawson Knox kind of came alive. The playoffs, he came alive. I feel like he underutilized the tight end position. There were some rumblings, no pun intended, that he was kind of, you know, last year we wanted to run more 12. Personnel-based offense, which is why they tried O.J. Howard and tried some things. When he didn't work out, that kind of, from what I'm hearing, threw off the plans for the season. This past weekend, we didn't even get a yard for Kincaid. Do you think that's just like holding our hands so that way people don't know what we're coming into the season with, or, or you know, what's happening with Dorsey in, in this offense? are you think we're gonna improve in this area and just in general, or or what? You
0: wanna go first, Matt? Uh-huh. Yeah, we talked about this on our show a little bit. I I do think that this was probably, they're not going to flaunt this guy out if he's going to be a huge part of the offense. I mean, they're going to try to keep that as close to the vest as possible. And what did they put on tape? Like 12 personnel running out of 12 personnel. Now teams have to prepare for that. The Jets are going to have to install that. And I I wouldn't be surprised if, A, we don't see much of Dalton Kincaid over the next two weeks, and if we don't see him run one single route. As a receiver, the rest of, tri- of preseason because it's it's that kind of game, and I think the the Jets game is so important. Like it's going to set up the entire first part of the season, and we could look back on this as being like a a pivotal decider in the division. And mm. so to have every kind of you know ace in the hole that you can play uh, in New Jersey that opening week, as Aaron Rodgers and company are probably trying to get on the same page. You hope if you're the Bills. I, I wouldn't do much with Dal- Dalton Kincaid and, and rest on all the reps that you've had in, in training camp and in practice.
3: Yeah. That, right. That's just it.
0: Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, no, cause I was just going to follow up with you for that one then. So n- now with what Matt's saying, you know, we'll keep that to the vest. Now I haven't been there. I've been, I'm, I'm in Phoenix. So I haven't, this is like the first year I haven't made it back for at least one day at training camp. Is Kincaid, is he that good though? Like, you know, from your eyes, does he pass the eye test? Uh, for a first-round draft pick as a tight end for the Buffalo Bills.
3: Yeah, he he does, and he he was outstanding at training camp. He didn't look like a rookie. He didn't play like a rookie. He obviously had a good grasp of this playbook by the time they showed up at St. John Fisher University. But, you know, one last note on that preseason game from uh, Saturday. If there's one area where the Bills probably want to see Kincaid improve, it's as a run blocker. It's in the blocking. He didn't have to do that much at Utah. Uh, So I I think having him out there for those five or six snaps and say, you're going to be out there and you're going to be blocking when you're out there for the most part, I think that did him well. We talked after the game and said, yeah, he got thrown a little bit on the James Cook touchdown run, but to Matt's credit, he held up the block long enough. He was able to do enough in that spot to spring James Cook open, uh, help him spring open to the left side of of the end zone. So, I think those are valuable reps for for uh, Dalton Kincaid. Where you know in season is he going to be blocking a lot? Probably not. You're going to want him out there uh, lined up as a receiver, lined up in a lot of creative ways to let him use his skill set. But how is he going to get better at blocking without those live reps? Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, everything that I've been saying and and seeing from clips and all this stuff is like, okay, I think he's going to fit into this offense very well. And, and honestly, I think um, just based on certain conversations that I've had with people, I think Dawson Knox mentally is in a very good place. So I think we're going to have both of our guys be on point. I think Diggs is no longer, I don't think he was a problem anyway, but I, I think he's no longer like an issue in the locker room, quote unquote, like the national media is trying to still push. I think I'm excited for offense this year. I'm very excited for offense. Um, but thank you, gentlemen, for for everything. You, you gave us some good insight. And then you gave uh, the content creators of the world some good insight as to what it's like to be you in the positions that you're in. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you. Can't wait to see you guys. Week- I'll be in New York and I'll be in uh, Buffalo for week one and two. So I can't wait to see you guys maybe grab a beer or something. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's party it up. Anything you guys want to plug re- really quickly before we get out of here?
0: Just text us 716-528-6727. Become a shout insider. Try it for two weeks for free. three ninety nine dollars a month. Uh after that. Cup of coffee. Get you uh into the, the group text, if you will, direct line to Ryan and myself.
2: And I'll tell you what, it's worth it, guys. Even like I, I just had this conversation with these gentlemen for a little bit to have direct access to them, to be able to ask certain questions and get a response. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Pay the $399. You know what? I'll tell you what. The first person that's listening to this to, to reach out to me. I'll pay for yours for a year. Reach out to me. We're gonna support. Whoa, you no, dude. I'm gonna do it. One person. That's not a lot of money, but I'll do it. You know what I mean? That's a lot of money, man. It. Dropping
0: a 50, 50 bones on this thing right off the jump. I love it.
2: It's worth it. You guys, like honestly, the, the content that you guys give us all year long is, is so worth it. So um, anybody who's an extreme bills fan who really wants to be in the know and learn learn these things, reach out to me. I'll I'll connect with Ryan and Matt, and I'll make sure I do it properly to set up through the proper channels to make sure the payment goes through me and the messages go through you but but no I, let, let's do that man 3.99 is not a lot for for great content let's do it
3: that's so, awesome
2: thank you and uh you, you see their handles here on on the page here so uh Ryan's Habit Bills and Matt Perino follow the guys on all socials ladies and gentlemen you know we do it at Buffalo Rumblings y'all love each other take care of each other and live in peace and as always stay positive test negative go bills you guys can say go bills i know you're beat reporters you could you could do it <laughs> You can say go Bills. Come on. No? Okay.